0: so scary won't let them bury me that's why i keep my 30 i shoot like curry. and boy i'm getting money i'm getting money uh-huh. all right welcome back to don v fridays we got a very very special guest a legend a hokey legend a, a one of my favorite players of all time that played in virginia tech who are we talking to today on don v friday uh this is gerard evans a, a, a legend, by the way. Let that, that me take some time, put some flowers on your name. You hold many, if not every major single season record in Virginia Tech history. Uh, and we talk about a school Michael Vick played for, from my hometown, News, Virginia, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Vick, Brian Randall, like this ain't no, you know, you hold legends over, I mean, you hold records over, le- you a legend yourself. But you hold records over goats, especially in Virginia. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think you get enough respect on your name. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. We're going to get into all that. But I want to put some respect on your name because you came in and single-handedly rewrote the record books at Virginia Tech. You need some respect on your name for that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, man. But I definitely appreciate you. And thank you for letting me come on my on this show and, and present my truth. So, I appreciate the uh, honor and respect, and also definitely appreciate coming on the show.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Before we get started, Spotify Green Room—it's a live audio-only sports talk platform. You can link your Twitter. You can join. You can join uh, leagues. You can you can uh, listen to insiders and athletes, and it's rooms going on every day. That's Spotify Green Room—bring your spiciest takes. You can download it for free at the iOS app store. we talking to Gerard Evans, a living legend. Uh you you grew up in Texas. Is that true?
1: Uh yes, that's very true. But first and foremost, I just wanted okay. to, you know, I wanted to really start off this podcast by saying I'm not here to bash, talk down, or go Tiff for tech with Coach Fuente or his staff. Okay. I personally don't have anything, I don't, I personally don't have nothing against him. I'm just doing this simply to state my truth, you know, why I left Virginia Tech after one year so I can be no longer – so this – like this narrative could be no longer one-sided on me because at the end of the day, all I have is my name, and it bothers me, you know, being his first recruit to Virginia Tech, him downplaying what I meant to him and his style that he brung in. So I'm in a better space right now to really talk about this situation than I was two, three years ago. Also, I came on this on here to sincerely apologize to the Hokie faithful, you know, the alumni, the boosters and anyone that was and is still a fan of mine. You know, I didn't leave because I had to feed my family or because I had bad grades or because I got bad advice from anybody. And I definitely didn't leave because I had uh, because of the fans, because I enjoyed my time in Blacksburg. You know, I love the support and the love that the Hokie Nation, you know, showed me. Like you just said earlier, a, a Texas boy, you know, that's 12, 13 hours from where I live. So the love and support me jumping straight in on my official recruit. That was, the you know, one of the best experiences, especially out of all the official visits that I've taken. I love it because I simply, you know, was ready to take that next step in my life. The funny thing is, though, I told Coach on my, like when we were talking on the phone, official visit that, you know, I was going to be one and done. But he chuckled at it like, you know, let's wait till you get here. That's way too far down the line. He didn't actually think I would actually do that, so I just wanted to let that air out first before we even get into any conversation. That you know those things okay. are vital to me.
0: Yeah, we had we had Eric Kuma on in the summertime, and he said that you had said you were saying that that you was going <laughs> to do one year and leave. Um, yeah, but 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 like you said, there was a lot of narratives coming out. People saying you had bad grades people will say anything to downgrade the athlete first and take the side of the university. And I think we as fans got to do better and stop running with these bullshit ass narratives that get cooked up on these message boards and with these fake ass. I go in, I go in on these fake ass insiders every day on here. um, <laughs> And yeah, like you, like Eric Kuma has said back in the summertime that you said that you was basically a one and done, which you have the, you have the talent. Like it, it ain't like, it, it ain't like it's crazy. Talk. It, yeah.
1: I'm, yeah. I was actually, you know, speaking on that, I mean, at Trinity Valley, nobody knows this except me and uh, my offensive coordinator, Clay Patterson. I'm extremely close with him. He's at Minnesota right now coaching the tight ends. Uh, great, great mind on the offensive side. Just he, he taught me the game really, but He's the only one that knows like it was a couple of uh, Chicago scouts that was recruiting me from Trinity Valley so that's the only reason why I came in uh, Virginia Tech or any type of school that I was going to choose with the mindset I'm being one and done because uh, I had a, a, a Chicago co- uh, scout excuse me already kind of talking to me about what I think about it and all that so it was not far-fetched at all um, but that was just how I you know that's just my strong belief in my ability to play the game and do what I do. So I was going in the mindset. And then Cam Newton obviously was the forerunner for me, you know, going from D1 to junior college back up to D1 and doing what he did nas- national championship, all the accolades and bringing his team to prominence and then leaving being a first round pick. So I thought, why if Cam Newton can do it, why can't I, you know, just that mindset? So I definitely was going in with that mindset. And Eric Kuma kind of laughed at me too, like, okay, we're going to see. Cause Eric is kind of that he kind of that guy too, like in the sense of you can't persuade me from how I'm believing and what I'm thinking. And we was in a hot tub. I remember that day. He kind of laughed. and then like in the middle of the season, he said, "Bro, you're gonna actually do this thing." I was like, "Man, I've been telling you that." So it's kind of funny, you know, that he would start believing in the middle of the season when he came into me in the, the right room. I mean, him being a young buck, that's kind of like probably an eye-opening experience to him. Like, man, this dude said that, and he actually about to do it. So it was uh it's kind of crazy how things always come back full circle.
0: All right. Everything really came all the way around. Uh, Okay. So you was Fuente's first recruit. You came in in the 2016 class I, to most of the recruits in that class, except for like yourself and maybe somebody else. I don't know. Most of those were Frank Beamer, like recruits, like Frank Beamer recruited most of that class. Did you ever meet Frank Beamer prior to Playing at Virginia Tech, did you ever speak to him, or, or was everything with
1: Fenty? Uh No, I didn't actually speak to him on my official visit. Or I did speak to him on my official visit. I have a picture with him. That's the first time I met him. I just heard so many great things about him. I mean, they had Frank Beamer everywhere when on my official uh, my official visit, like on stores and you know just mm-hmm. congratulate him on his you know his tenure here at uh, Virginia Tech. He definitely was a fan favorite and a player's favorite. Uh, so I, I have mm-hmm. to, you know, give my my uh, respect to him by, you know, talking to him. And he talked to me during, not only that time, but during the season, throughout the season. He treated me like I was one of his players. He treated me like a Michael Vick and Tyrod Taylor, and that was that was mind-blowing to me. You know, a former coach, you know, treating me like I was one of his boys that took him to the national championship and did, and did big things for him. So it was like, it was, on, it was just a wild experience for him to do that for me.
0: All right, right. And, and Frank Beamer is definitely loved um, – de- definitely. I mean, he got a statue. You got a statue in front of Lane. So definitely yeah. a living legend. Shout out Frank Beamer. Shout out Frank, man. I hope, hope you're listening, Frank. We love you, bro. um for sure. For sure. You came out the gates. That 2016 season um, – we didn't quite know what we had. As Virginia Tech fans, we were coming off. We were going to bowl games, but we didn't quite know. We was in wait-and-see mode, and y'all came out the gate. Offensively, we had never seen nothing like that at Tech, because normally we used to individual greatness, but we're not used to the whole offense being nasty like y'all was. Um, But this is a game I want to talk about specifically. Uh, battle of Bristol. That was like I don't know, a million people there at a rate. What was that environment? <laughs> what was that environment like playing in Bristol and at a racetrack? Uh, a million people there. Um, what was that environment like for you? Was that the biggest environment you ever played in?
1: Of course, that's the biggest college stadium attendance yeah. ever. It's like one hundred fifty-three thousand, I believe. Um, uh, but right. definitely coming from, you know, Air Force. It's not it's what 40, 50, sit the stands, and then you got. Um, Trinity Valley probably 20, 50 people in the stands. And then you go there, then my second game is, you know, ESPN with one hundred fifty three thousand people in the stands. It was definitely a crazy environment. I wouldn't say the loudest because of how the uh, stadium was set up, but to right. see all those people, you know, maroon and orange, it was definitely a crazy, crazy experience, you know.
0: All right. And, and- it was a lot of talent on that field on both sides. You got Alvin Kamara for Tennessee. You got yourself uh, th- that Virginia Tech team, that 2016 team, NFL guys all over the place. Tennessee had NFL players. I feel like, and I'm just a fan. I was in, D- I was in DC. I was living in DC at the time. I was at this bar watching the game, depressed because I feel like y'all were the better team. I just feel like the turnovers killed us. How you? What's your response to that?
1: 100% the better team. Um, hands down the better team. Um, I think what killed does obviously is the everybody sees the glaring mistakes with the turnovers and the mistakes on the offensive side. I think we as a unit, um, since we would never been there before, you know, before mm-hmm. me prior to me coming, we were a, a team that was – could never take that next step. And so right. for us to be be up on Tennessee the way we were, it was kind of – or being. You know, neck and neck with them is almost like that was our time that we believe. You know, and so I think that kind of uh, took us a step back because once they start believing, it kind of like we actually here, we in this moment. Not everybody, trust me, we got a lot of dogs. I'm just saying from an offensive perspective, like right. the defense was handling enough, but uh, offensive, like man, we actually can do this. We actually swarm with them, and um, also I think we made a couple key or uh, one key uh, adjustment, and we changed. Eric, uh, I center, out for Kyle, and I love Kyle, great guy, know, his father from Philadelphia. I don't think we should have switched him out so early because Eric didn't do anything to um, lose his job against, you know, Liberty, even though it was Liberty. But I think, and I believe Coach did that because he wanted a bigger, you know, a bigger center in there. But I was already having continuity with Eric the whole time, so – it kind of, you know, when it's loud and, you know, you're doing snaps and it's talking a lot of talking sometimes, you know, they might not hear you in the heat of the moment, especially when they're trying to get their job accomplished. So that's a lot that goes into, you know, a preparation week. And for us to change it so quickly, especially that that game, I think that kind of hurt us a little bit um, just for the the continuity between me and the center who gets the ball hundred percent of the time.
0: Right. Right. I, I, I I go to my grave saying that Virginia Tech was the better team. As depressing as that game was, he I came out of that game. I came out of that game yeah. thinking, okay, we got something because yeah. Tennessee knew they escaped. They they knew they yeah,
1: escaped. Was, yes, yes, they did. Really, I mean it was yeah. It was definitely one of those games where we knew as a uh, team, and I think that what catapulted us to the heights we did because we knew that we let that game get away as a unit, as a just pure, you know, offensively and the defense. I think they saw that even though they had to be on the show a lot more because of our mistakes, I think they start to believe and understand like, now these guys, once they start clicking, they're going to they gonna have the same role.
0: Right. You had this crazy run versus East Carolina. Um, at the time, we was playing East Carolina every year. Thank God we got out that stupid ass East Carolina game every year, but you had this crazy run where you shook, juked, back juke, dove for the end zone. One of the greatest plays I ever seen. And I watched Michael Vick. I grew up watching Michael Vick and Marcus Vick and the Tyrod Taylor's, and that's one of the greatest plays in Virginia Tech history as far as this outstanding individual effort.
1: Well, I appreciate that, man. For real,
0: I'm, I can't even put the words together. Like, how did you put all that together? Like.
1: Uh, well, it was not hard. I mean, to and not because it was not hard for me, but it was like our our plays were more like it's called 66 buck, 67 buck. And it's pretty much read the safety. If the safety goes to the go route, then I literally have to run the ball. So it wasn't hard for me. I mean, I felt him. So I had to get out of there faster. But I mean, the play was really kind of designed for me to run. I mean a lot okay. of our plays were designed for me to run. So um it wasn't hard for me but once I got in open field I just did what I do naturally when I'm in open field just make a, you know make something happen make a play you know that's been me since you know pee wee got to, when I got to make something happen I'm gonna make something happen.
0: Yeah you definitely made some shake out there. Is it <laughs> true that y'all, it, is it true that you got in trouble? Like was it? Cause I saw, I saw Eric uh, Kuma tweet that y'all had to do up downs in practice. What 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 did you do wrong?
1: Oh, um, uh, if you see on the clip me pushing the ball over uh, the defender head, okay. uh, Coach had a Coach had a big thing on ball security because of Tennessee. So he was uh, I guess he was um, traumatized by that experience of all the fumbles. <laughs> So, anything that was that even looked like you had the ball loose is automatically up downs or automatically punishment, you know, next practice. So, I actually forgot about that seriously. But, um, when Eric said that, I actually brought it back to my memory and so like, Man, we did actually have to do a lot of up downs for my mistake. And I had to get in front of the team, and say, My name is Gerard Evans, and I let the team down. And that's just coach way of, you know, Getting us to understand that ball security is the utmost importance, if we really want to, you know, make it to where we want to make it to, and also that's the A- ACC championship. But
0: ball security is important, but I mean, fuck hindsight, <laughs> all of that. That is the dopest. Like sometimes you got to <laughs> let some shit slide, though. You got to be like, look, man, that was crazy. Uh, I'm, uh, not
1: gonna I'm, I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to disagree with you.
0: Yeah, sometimes you got to be like, look, man. I mean, you, you uh, look, man, ball security, but you—it ain't like you fumbled it. So, what yeah. we talking about? <laughs> that's it, man. So. I,
1: I don't, I don't have a clue, man. That's, but I do agree. But I just think that's his mindset or his mindset. I think he was kind of traumatized from that game, and he just wanted to make sure that you know.
0: Yeah, he wanted to keep everything going up. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess, but I don't,
1: you have to ask him.
0: I have to ask him. So, during this 2016 season, you you breaking records. And I mean, it ain't take a long time for you to break these records. Like, <laughs> it ain't it ain't yeah. like, you know, it, it got to the bowl game. Like, these records of, consist of most completions, most touchdown passes, most touchdowns in one game, has completion percentage, rushing touchdowns by quarterback in the season. And we're talking about a school, and I got to keep saying this because this we got a Michael Vick who was a number one overall draft pick. Now, albeit the offense was different for him, but we talking about NFL quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor still playing in the NFL. Uh, Logan Thomas. Yeah, out my yeah. Yeah, shout, Definitely shout out Tyrod. Uh, uh, Logan Thomas, who was drafted as a quarterback uh, who's still in the NFL. And you broke all of these guys' records. Uh, Jim Druckenmiller, apparently he has a half that he was a first-round pick uh mm-hmm. Bruce Arians, all these Virginia Tech quarterbacks, like so. It's this ain't like no disrespect. I'm trying to think of a school that don't got quarterback history. I don't know, uh I don't know, Ohio Bobcats <laughs> or somebody. These are <laughs> le- legend legendary says, yeah. draft yeah. pick quarterbacks, and you broke all of their records in one year. And had you did come back, you would be holding more than just single season records. I think in two years' work, you would have had all the career numbers, too. So I definitely want to put some respect on your name. I think more Hokie fans need to put respect on your name. They were saying nasty shit like uh, they'd rather have Michael Brewer. They must, you know, revision <laughs> his history. Uh, I know you wasn't at Blacksburg yet, but Michael Brewer was on the team when the Hokies went up to Ohio State and beat the Buckeyes. So for some reason, that puts some at demigod status. But – you carried the team. Michael Brewer was, he played his part in that Ohio State win. Had we had you, you would have carried us to win, to the victory. So, people say all kinds of nasty shit on Twitter. That's why I be understanding when y'all snap at some of these stupid-ass fans. I be understanding.
1: Yeah, and the crazy thing is I i know you keep saying I, I carry the team, but it takes 11 people on the field. And, and don't, don't grant it. of course I have the ability to do what I do or I wouldn't be at the level I was doing it. At the same time, I have to give credit to, you know, the juniors and seniors leadership on that team. I mean, it was just outstanding. I mean, they never, they never experienced winning like that. So for them to have that excitement and have that leadership to go week to week to week to week to week and be like they was in the NFL and business oriented and then we just had dogs, you know, not just, we ain't talking about defensively. We didn't I'm not just talking about defense. I'm talking about offensively. We really had dogs and True. we did not utilize them like we did not at all. I mean, Trayvon McMillan, a thousand yard mm-hmm. rusher, if I'm not mistaken, before I got there. Yeah.
0: Yes, he was. There's no way in the
1: world. There's nowhere in the world that I run a thousand uh, two hundred and four times that season for no reason. When we have him, when we have a McLeese, who is a scat back, when we have Marshall, who is a power runner. Before he got injured and we got right. then we got, of course, we got, you know, Captain America, Sam Rogers, who can handle the ball and do a lot of multiple things like an uh, army Swiss knife. So, you know, we had weapons and we're not. Of course, we're not talking about the big three. Uh, I right. know what they could do on a basis. Yeah. So uh, I appreciate you saying carry, but they made my job easier as and let me be free. Like I didn't have to do too much leadership role because we have too many leaders. I didn't have to, I just had to go in there and do what I've been born to do. And that's, you know, just play football, get, get, get the job done, you know, be me. And I've been doing this for 15 plus years. So that wasn't the hard part. They actually took the load off me as a, as a team and shout out to Bob Foster. I mean, <laughs> I can't say enough about him. I mean, yeah, I, we could get in that later, but, but he's a man, not just, you know, his resume and what he's done Legendary throughout the uh, college football landscape. But this dude is just a man.
0: Yeah, shout out Bud Foster, a legend. Who was your favorite target? Let's get to the crazy shit. Uh, Hopefully, Who was your favorite target? You got Bucky Hodges, the greatest tight end to ever play at Virginia Tech. Shout out James Mitchell, but it's Bucky Hodges. You got Isaiah Ford. You got Cam Phillips. They all in some way, shape, or form broke records at Virginia Tech. in in different categories, but if it's third down in the red zone, well, not red zone because obviously it's Bucky, but if it's a crucial third down, who are you going to? Who are you looking for?
1: Man, and this the honest guy, truth answer. All three of them I love. I -hmm. love them in all situations, like literally. Uh, There's no time that I didn't feel uncomfortable throwing throwing to them at any crucial time because they all wanted the ball and they was all going to catch it for me. You know, Isaiah, of course, mm-hmm. he's going to do what Isaiah do. Cam is more quick twitching. He still can run every router in the route tree. So can Isaiah. So I didn't feel uncomfortable with them. Obviously, you got Bucky 6'6 six, six, running a 4'4, four, 4'5, four, four, just a freak athlete that can catch at the high point and just dominate DBs and linebackers, just a mismatch for everybody. So I couldn't even, to be honest, it was like a little kid in the candy store picking any <laughs> kind of candy he wants. You know, I didn't, it was no. Uh there's no there's not no one person that I just said, I gotta go to him. It's like, okay, this is the play call and this is how I gotta read it. So you're getting the ball this time. But if I had the choice, it wouldn't be a choice. It's like if we had to open more, like open playbook more. Yeah, they all mm-hmm. get the ball in crucial, you know, crucial moments.
0: But you didn't pick one.
1: No, I because I did <laughs> hey, all three. Okay, all three.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of a lot of fans say this that obviously we respect all y'all's decision to to do what you want to do professionally. There was no NIL at the time. Y'all were not getting paid. Obviously, if there were NIL, y'all could have been getting paid which y'all deserve. Y'all were making a lot of fucking money because y'all were stars. <laughs> you, Bucky, Isaiah Ford, and Cam Phillips. Cam Phillips did come back. But a lot of Hokie fans say had you, Bucky, and Isaiah came back in 2017 with our defense, that was because the 2017 defense was better than 2016 defense. They were more experienced that we could have made a playoff run with y'all. Do you agree or disagree?
1: Uh, Yeah, with that talent, easily. But like I said earlier, you know, I've been doing this football college stuff for, you know, three, four years. I was just really ready to, you know, take that next – step in my life. You know, I learned a lot from my junior college offensive coordinator from the X's and O's. And then I learned a little bit, you know, from Bud Foster how he does the defense-wise and, like, the systematic. And Coach Cornelison actually helped me with, you know, looking at cover four and three in the sense of how they play in in their system and how to uh, go about setting that faster. Uh, Coach Cornelison helped me with that a little bit. But Bud definitely just his way of blitzing one side, playing cover three on the other side, blitzing, faking blitz one side, come another side, play, you know, uh, six in the back. It's just like cover six in the back. It's just a lot of things that he did systematically to mess with the mental of a quarterback. And dealing with that day in, day out of a a, a year, it kind of helped me develop. So I was like, that helped me feel like, that just gave me more confidence that I am ready to take this next step. But yes, if we did stay, I believe we would have done damage, but also I was unhealthy as well. And I was not my shoulder wasn't getting any better because of, you know, of all the running I was doing. So I didn't feel comfortable even coming back if, you know, even if that was an opportunity, but yes, I do believe that.
0: Okay, so you said you had a, a shoulder issue Mm-hmm. you were running you were running the ball you were carrying you were carrying the ball like you said earlier you got Deshaun Sean you got I think Marshawn Williams did retire before the 2017 season so he was gone but you had a stable of backs and you did you did you voice this to the coaching staff like you know I run a lot what the fuck are we doing we got backs oh we got McLeish we got we got backs what are we doing you ever voice that to yeah. the coaches
1: yeah, I did um, you know, after UNC, I think that was like a typhoon game, you know, that rainy game that we just the hurricane. I think I ran he had a hurricane game. I, I ran like um what I don't remember, I think like twelve plus times that I Ooh. ran. And that was like the fifth game of the season that I ran at least twelve to fifteen times. And so I end up when I fumbled that game. I end up hurting my shoulder, and having to pinch me in my shoulder, my throwing shoulder, and so oh. you know I had a private, you know I had a you know private meeting with coach and just like telling them how it was feeling, For as you know, are we gonna ever stop running me so much? Because you know if we're really trying to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish, I'm gonna have to be healthy to do that. Whether it's going to the okay. ACC, you know, and winning that, and then going to the ACC championship. So you know. Our goals is right in front of us, our aspirations right in front of us. You know, uh, I'm mean, we got these running backs that can carry the load more than I can. So can you know, can we change a little bit things up? And he told me he had understood where I was coming from and we'll change it up week to week. So I came out that meeting believing that, you know, okay, so now I can just throw a little bit more instead of running. And then of course if I have to run, I can make that happen. But you know, right. That was that was our that was my understanding from our meeting we had. Uh, but that I don't. What well, that was not the case though.
0: It wasn't the case, and and you referenced that that hurricane game, and it it I guess it irks me, not even about you running the ball, things like that. Well, I watched the quarterback on the other side, Mitch Trubisky get drafted second overall. Like what, what, what was the scouts watching? Because it, 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 yeah, okay, Mitch, whatever. How does Mitch go second overall and you go undrafted? Did they not watch the same game that I watched? It's not even just that did. game. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> no, they did. They watched it. Um, I think it was deeper than that, too. I mean.
0: Uh, yeah. Because yeah, he played but, one year. He played one year, too. It ain't like he yeah. was a four-year starter. He was a one-year starter, too.
1: Yeah. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I kind of know, but it, it ain't worth talking about. It's in the past.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's always a game within the game and politics yeah, and sure. everything like that. Um, Big time. So, so you know, you play the hurricane game, which was crazy. Uh, y'all win the game. Y'all go on to win the coastal division, something we hadn't did since 2011, if I'm not mistaken. And y'all play the Clemson Tigers, the the kings of the ACC. Uh, Deshaun Watson is a star-studded team and one of the most legendary ACC champions. Normally, the, the ACC Coastal winner goes to goes to Charlotte and get mm-hmm. their head kicked in by Clemson and they're going by their business, but not this time. <laughs> it was a classic game. What, what's your what's your fond memories of that game? What's your fucked up memories of that game? Take us back to the ACC championship game 2016.
1: <sighs> um, man, I, I believe in my heart to hearts, we should have won that game. I mean, but then I believe we should win every game. So people right. can, you know, say, you know, but that game in general, that defensive coordinator just really, 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 I mean, shout out to him. He's a really, he learned, he said it himself, Brent he learned from both. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Learned from Bud Foster. He said he took part of how Bud Foster run defenses, but he's a great mind in his own rights. And he just found out tendencies, what we do on first, second, and third down. And to be honest, we never changed anything. Like, it looked like, if you look at the thing, like I was trying to run all the time, but it was pretty much like a one-read type of thing. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: all they did was press, you know, press Isaiah, press, uh, Bucky press count in those situations and we ran short routes so it was nothing that we did to kind of scare them to get out of what they did the first uh couple drives if I'm not mistaken oh I think it was like the first quarter and a half it's right. like we couldn't really get nothing going because that defensive coordinator pretty much said okay I kind of, we're going to stick to this game plan and y'all going to have to adjust. And we just never adjust until later. And it's kind of, I, I believe that kind of hurt us in the long run because if we started early, I think they would have been on their heels more, um, right. but that's neither here or there. But yeah, I, I just believe that if we just came out with some, just some gutsiness about us just as a whole unit, not, not the players, but like, the game plan, like man, we're gonna take shots and we're just gonna we're gonna let it all hang on the line, you know. I think that would have right. been more in our favor, but we didn't take that route.
0: And As, so especially kinda, when you especially when you're going against a quarterback like Deshaun Watson and exactly, uh, and
1: that and you that know he you know offense. what he
0: coming with, and you gotta
1: exactly <laughs> you gotta come with it. You gotta come, you 100, def, uh, you definitely gotta come with it when you know the other side of the ball is very explosive. And they know how to score a lot of points. I mean, we do too, but they're right. more, it's more, you can't, you can't pick and choose and they, they're gonna they going to take their shots down the field no matter who it is. Right. I mean, you, that's why they won that year in against Alabama because that's what they're going to yeah. do. They're going to they gonna take their shots. And I, I just believe, and I wish we would have done more of that than be more passive aggressive.
0: Right. That, that, that Clemson team, obviously, like you said, they won it all that year and it was a, it wasn't just Virginia Tech fans rooting for y'all. I think the whole nation, I think even Bama was rooting for y'all. The Bama wanted no parts of that team. They knew <laughs> hey, what <laughs> it was nice. Yeah.
1: It was nice, man. They had Mike Williams on that side. They had, I mean, right. I could go on live. Yeah, they got they had. they have, you know, they had players that in that front seven, if I'm not mistaken, most of them was first rounders or not right. about to be, you know. So they was definitely like that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that, Clem- that Clemson team was definitely. It was a lot of people. Like I said, I bet you Nick Saban was was like, "Fuck, <laughs> we gotta see this dude again." Yeah, but, uh, he had, he you know,
1: had revenge on his mind.
0: Yeah, he had revenge on his man. Shout out to Sean Watson. Now, I the excuse you know the allegations. Just we just talking on the field. He was yeah, field yeah yeah that other shit. He got to get all that resolved. The belt bowl versus Arkansas. Arkansas come out the gate. They not bullshitting. Brett Bilmer, the coach. Y'all are down big at halftime. What's the mood in the locker room at halftime?
1: Man, electric. I mean, I, I man, Sam mm-hmm. Roger had one of one of those booby speeches. You know where you just had like yes. remember the tight ends tight speeches. Yeah, he just got, I mean, I don't know. It's just out of nowhere, everybody was quiet. Sam Mm -hmm. just got up and started speaking, giving me goosebumps. I said, oh, yeah, shit, we about to win. I don't know. It was just, it was something about that speech, you know. It's like everybody was lit. I mean, the things he was saying and then, you know, doing it, and the whole season was doing it for the seniors because, you know, again, they haven't had a taste of winning like that. And then the juniors, you know, it was just, it was, it was something about that season that we was just really doing it for them, them boys. And they was all, again, a lot of leaders on that. You know, you got Chuck, you got Nigel, you got, I mean, you got d I mean, it's, it's just crazy how much you got just experience and leadership on that team. Of course, going to Sound, everybody knows Sound, in and out
0: Yeah, shout great out leader, Sam Rogers. Great,
1: great guy. He just had one of those speeches where everybody was fired up and then I'm warming up and moot. Mook Reynolds, you know, great. I mean, I, I, I heard the things about him, but I didn't see – he's a good guy to me. He was a great guy. Mook Reynolds was, had
0: an insane man, second half. Insane.
1: Man, did he. But he came to me while I was one of He said, man, I'm with you to the wheels fall off. And that just mm. ignited me in the way that I said, ain't no way. I'll die on this field before I lose this game. I don't know. It's just it's just the, the trust and the belief that my teammates had in me, you know, a defensive guy coming to me, you know. Saying that it just it just it sparked another mindset in me. Like ain't no way we losing this. I just that's what I believe. For them to have that mindset going to halftime, Sam saying what he's saying, talking, everybody fired up. We go out there and then he comes to me. It's like okay, yeah, it's that time. Man. And then yeah, the defense do what they do. Get the picks. We get short yardage. Mm-hmm. Get the easy touchdown. And they just start rolling from there.
0: Yeah, that that game, that game was definitely a special moment. Uh the 2016, the 2016 team, what y'all did, and like you said, we hadn't we had fell off the wagon a little bit. The team had been losing, not losing, but just not what, what us Hokie fans were accustomed to. We what y'all did was what we were accustomed to playing in Charlotte, playing against Clemson for the championship and being a a major factor in the uh in the grand scheme of college football we had kind of started going to regular bowl games and the belk bowl is is above the bowl games we were going to i feel like uh y'all should have been in the it wasn't no new year's six yet i don't think it might have been but y'all should have been playing for the orange bowl or something i don't remember how the bowl Mm -hmm. process shook out but Y'all definitely was, should have been playing
1: yeah. in the Orange Bowl. I was disappointed. I was, I, was, I was definitely disappointed in that. I thought we were the team that should have been in the Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl type of team, you know, playing one of those guys for sure. Um, just what our resume speak for itself, who we played, how we played, you know. Um, I think right. we definitely should have won those type of bowls. But, you know, it still was a good experience. We all had good times with at the Dev Bowl, so. But, yeah, I definitely was kind of disappointed in not having one of those type of bowls.
0: Right, especially with Clemson going to the playoff.
1: Because, exactly. Because
0: going, going forward, I mean, the other teams, like UVA went to ACC championship game, but, like, I want to say seven or eight wins. I think they got had eight wins, went to the ACC championship game, got a foot put in their ass, and they went to the Orange Bowl against Florida. I'm you like, so, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But I don't do I don't do bold selection. I don't know how all that shit works. Um so, so you you declare your you declare for the NFL, you break every record ever in Virginia Tech history, and everybody, and I want to say a lot of people, a lot of people on Twitter is like, what is he doing? Who's advising him or what? What was your reaction to the Twitter reaction? Were you reading Twitter or were you just at locked time, in? Yo, at that
1: time, I was. I mean, first and foremost, I didn't even get to get my uh, underclassmen draft grade. So I just mm-hmm. did it purely off of I know what I've done. I know what I meant to my team. Again, like I said prior, when I stated that before we started this podcast, that I was genuinely ready to take that next step in my life. I truly believe I was ready um, to take that next step. And so um, going in that, I did read a lot of stuff. And that's when I started hearing, um, you know, about feeding my family and getting bad advice. And my grades were bad Um, because prior to that, only person that knew that I was going for the NFL draft was Coach Fuente because I told him right after the uh, Belk Bowl, Mm -hmm. I took him – Like they were celebrating. Like, of course, everybody hyped. We winning, so while everybody celebrating, I thought it was the best time to, you know, let the person that brought me in let him know. You know, I'm going to forego my senior season. So I took him into like the training room, and his like his. I could just feel like his heart drop. You know, it's like, like, are you really doing that? Then he asked me, like, you know, so did you tell anybody yet? I said, no. You're the only person that I've told. You know. I just felt it was right to tell you since you brought me in. And after that, that's when I started hearing all these allegations about, you know, draw things about leaving. Like who's getting this information? Like I didn't tell nobody forgetting that I told him, but right. Uh, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of hurt me a lot because the faith, uh, uh the Hokey faithful would take that side when I pour so much into the university, pour so much into my teammates, pour so much into the school, uh, with my, you know, my talent and my gifts that they would, you know, bash me the way they was bashing me. So it's kind of, like, crazy. Like, if anything, I thought they would be more happy for me mm-hmm. for, you know, what I, you know, what I was able to accomplish in my one year at Virginia Tech, which hasn't been done in about five to six years since Tyrod, I believe.
0: Uh, yeah, so it a lot kinda, of the shit you it, did ain't never been done.
1: So it kind of <laughs> hurt. It, it definitely... Not kind of, it hurt me bad, to be honest. Um, I just never expected them to take that side so quickly. But then I guess, you know, on high side, looking at it, when you mean so much to somebody, you can, that, they just hurt. So they react out of hurt. And I didn't understand it. I had no 22-year-old kid, you know. I just saw as, why would y'all do that to me? Why would y'all, you know, bash me like that?
0: Yeah, why would they make up shit? Yeah, uh, I like, guess, that's... I-
1: to yeah, I, the great shit was
0: nasty. Like, come on, man. The great shit was nasty. Uh, we got a lot in our we got a lot of fake ass insiders on our fan base and they, they got cousins and family members that they think is in the know. They don't know shit. So what ends up happening is these narratives get made up and people just believe it. People just run with these narratives and it's fucked up. I feel like even if and and I'm a fan and I was like, damn we would have had a squad coming back next year. But you still got to say, hey, it's his career. And it's not like y'all getting paid at that time. So yeah, yeah. do what you got to do now. You know, nowadays, uh, you got you got dudes that's almost making a million dollars. Easy. And, and,
1: yeah. And they haven't played a snap yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they can make certain business decisions and say, you know what? Okay. Maybe I can take another year but to develop. But in in, yeah. the, in in them days, that wasn't the case. So you got to do what you got to do, what's best for your career. And you felt yeah, like I heard, you were – go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, just, I heard that you said develop. I heard the developing story. But, again, it's no slight against Coach Fuente and Coach Grinelson at all. But I didn't get developed by them. They just literally told me to go do what I do. You know, yeah. I, it was not no development. The, the, uh, it was – Literally, our I, 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 I offense was simple as draw, read this person, or run. That was what our system was. And it's I can like understand that. what. Yeah, I understand that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So I didn't understand yeah. where the development, like where do I need to get developed at for as football-wise. Right. At, at Trinity Valley, I'm reading full progression throws. I'm reading coverage throws. If it's cover three on one side, I throw it to this side. If it's cover two this side, I'm throwing this side. If it's man, I got the, I had the power and the ability to audible because we see certain things in film week to week, me and my uh, offensive coordinator, he gave me mm-hmm. full, full range to actually, you know, audible. And that's why I break a lot of stuff at, in, uh, in junior college because of that, because his trust and his belief that I wouldn't jeopardize or hurt the team in any fashion or form, you know? Uh, so right. for me to hear the development characters, like I need development. I just believe that's a false narrative, just to keep me there a whole nother year to push right to that, run the ball agenda. Yeah. And and I can <laughs> Yeah. And that was not I'm not a running back, you know. I'm a right. quarterback. I'm a I'm a facilitator. I'm a leader. That's what I that's what court like let me do my job, not, and then let the running back do his job, let the O line do their job, let the wide receiver do their job, which is block and catch, you know. That's how I saw I saw it simple. I didn't see it as, you know, me running 200 and sometimes in one year. I didn't envision that because if that was right. the case, I would have went to I would have Auburn.
0: Who, yeah, Auburn me, or, or Georgia Tech or one of these. Jo-
1: yeah, I mean, because they was <laughs> – you know, I mean, that was one of my offers. I would – you know, to go to Auburn, I didn't – it was – yeah, it was like, okay, I could have picked them, you know. I could have picked the team that's going to run a lot if that's what this entails. So – I didn't want to come back. I mean, that was, again, I was ready to go. Also, I didn't feel like my work, my voice was being heard to coach. So then uh-huh. me talking to him again was not, to me, was not the right move because he wasn't listening to me during the year about right. things that I believe would help the team. And then me running more than a running back, I don't think I would have had took a, a beating like that because I was hurt the fifth game of the uh, second game. I twisted my ankle. And we against Pitt. And then the fifth game of the season against UNC, I had the impingement the whole year. So I wouldn't even practice until Wednesday or Thursday of that week. Like, I would sit out two or three days every week right. from, from UNC on because of my impingement in my shoulder. That's how bad it was.
0: You're voicing this frustration to the coaches, and um, they're like, yeah, 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 but still running you like – a running back, running you more so than, than the running backs. And um, this is a question I want to ask because we, we go back and forth about this all the time, Hokie fans. How much involvement does Fuente have in the offense? I know Cornelson calls plays, but how involved is Fuente in the offense?
1: Okay, I want to say this very carefully because I don't want, you know, this is something that I want to make sure there's no okay. misconstruement. As a as a head coach, you have a lot to say of how you want your program to be ran. Obviously, you got the DC and Buff Foster. So, just in my you know me operating around them, I believe he just let Buff Foster do what Buff Foster does. But probably said, "Well, I like to do just a little bit of this," but Buff Foster does what Buff Foster does on the offensive right. side. I believe he was more involved than what people think. Um, this is just what I feel because he was never hardly in a, a quarterback room. It was only like three times that he was in a quarterback room. But they have a lot of meetings. And uh, Coach Fuente and Coach Court Nelson are extremely close, you know, just from their time being together prior to Virginia Tech. So they're close. So that's been Court Nelson's first time ever uh, been an OC. with When I was there, he had a lot. To me, they would have talks. I'm pretty sure how they want to run stuff, just – passing ideas back and forth. So I would say a lot of input, but he would let Coach Cornelison actually call the plays, actually do it. And then if he felt something in the game, which is very rare, he would call it mm-hmm. himself or he would, he okay. would, you know, talk to him. But he would let actual Coach Cornelison do the calling on the game day. But I'm pretty sure they bounce ideas off each other. Or Coach Fuente had a lot of strong say in how he wanted stuff to be done and what he seen, because the day before the game, he would go over the play sheet and just go over our assignments as quarterbacks in general, you know, where at that time it was me, what, Josh Jackson, Brendan Molly, and uh, Click uh, in the uh, quarterback room. So he would just, you know, explain our assignment, and then he would just, certain plays, he wouldn't say nothing. he said, "What your assignment is, Gerard, and I'll just tell him. So I'm pretty sure he was very in tune with what we were doing even though on game day he was not involved.
0: But behind right. the
1: scenes, I believe he was extremely involved in what and what and what we did.
0: Right. Cause a lot of people think a lot of people believe that um, I don't know if you still follow the team to this day, but people say, Oh, he needed just fire Cornelson and bring in another OC. Fuente is an offensive coach. I don't think he will bring in somebody else to install a new offense. Or oh, am I no, tripping?
1: No, no, no. No, no, you're not tripping. Um, I mean, he was learning at TCU, you know, under uh, under Patterson. And then I think, he, if I'm not mistaken, he was the quarterback coach over there. And then you're honestly, right. he he ran the offense over there in Memphis with Paxton Lynch, who I talked to a lot when I was getting recruited by Coach Wente, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. I truly believe. Even his first year, even though he gave the reins and the OC title to Coach Cornelison, he had a lot of say in how we operated as an offense. I I would say majority, if not 90% of it, was Coach Fuente's ideas and what he wanted. Of course, Coach Cornelison, because that was his first year doing it. So I don't, just knowing Mm -hmm. Coach Fuente, I don't see him giving that much power away to somebody that's. That's his baby. You know, his, that's his all right. you know, his pride and joy that he he made. So I don't see him just giving
0: all right. So all you Hokie fans day. that think that firing Cornelson is the is the is gonna solve anything on the offense is not gonna change shit. Uh the quarterback is still gonna run more than everybody else on the team. Do you watch the current team? You watch, do you keep up with the uh, Hokies? I,
1: no, and that's only because of this issue now because of the the dirt that's, or this narrative that is keep being pushed on me. So it's like it makes a sour taste in my mouth to knowing that it's going to be the same offense, you know. There's not, nothing really going to change. So it's like I'm watching the same offense, and it made me frustrated because or right. it makes me like, like okay, I'm watching watch the same thing. So why, to me, why waste my time watching the same offense when I know what, what I personally know what it's going to be
0: Right, they run. They run their quarterbacks into the dirt. Hendon uh, Hooker was definitely injured most of last season, and they just kept running them man until that Clemson game last year. Uh, he got hit in the head like in the first quarter. He's convulsing. He come back in the game. He's convulsing. Like he like they, mm-hmm. they try to say, oh, he's cold. I'm like, I've been cold. I ain't yeah, never started doing that.
1: So sh- it don't. It don't. It don't surprise me one bit, to be honest. Um, it's just. I feel like it's just going to be narratives pushed on everybody, or it's going to be a scapegoat for everybody until the truth actually, you know, comes out. That's how I just truly truly feel about the situation. Somebody's always going to have to be the scapegoat for the situation. I mean, in any in any business, any entity that has a running business, if you oversell and underproduce you no longer in business. I don't care if it's me. Right. I don't care if it's the, the Amazon. If you always overselling and underproducing, you, you can't, you're not staying long. And so how you stand alone with the overselling and underproducing is by keep putting narratives on uh, players' names or
0: keep just right. little,
1: there's little ways you can do and that. Sports
0: so, Illustrated run an article saying that the players want turkey bacon and their bad apples and all this other shit. You weren't, it's a good yeah. thing you weren't on that team. But, yeah, it was a Sports Illustrated article that came out. You might have heard about it. And it basically shit on uh, the transfer portal players like Eric Kuma, Chris Cunningham, uh, Rico Kearney, a lot of players. Mm-hmm. And um basically called them bad apples. And now we're going to turn it around because they're gone and it's a bright day. And that narrative mm-hmm. ran like wildfire. A lot of a lot of players got their names shitted on. Just like yours.
1: Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, it don't. Again, it's it's not surprising to me. I mean, but if you keep looking at the, if you look at any situation, you got to look at what's the common denominator. You right. Know, if, if 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 I'm in a bad, like if somebody say, draw, you always mad or you angry," and I keep saying, "Well, it's you, it's you, it's you," well, somewhere down the line, I have to look at myself and say, "Man, all this keep going bad. It must be something I'm doing wrong." But, right. uh, you know, it's only that individual that looks at themselves in the mirror that can actually see that. But then, like I said, if you keep overselling, underproducing you, and that's what you want to live by, like you want to live by the um, the names that's given to you, and you feed off of that, then you got to live up to that expectation because that's what you you start feeding into. You know, if they say I'm the best quarterback and I start feeding that and not knowing who I am, then once, once things start going bad or not my way, then it's gonna be looking bad on me because I, I I want to live up to that name that people's giving me. And that's not never a good look when you're living up to the name that people give you instead of just being you at all times.
0: All right. Like a a, a, a prime example of of lying. I don't even want to call this shit undersell uh, over overselling and underdelivering. Coach Fuente said in the summertime that this 2021 offense, he felt more comfortable passing the ball than he ever felt at Virginia Tech. And all the fans are looking like in 2016, we had a record-setting offense with one of the best quarterbacks ever and the best receiving trio ever. And then this season we have, was basically a slot receiver playing quarterback in your offense where you run the ball with the quarterback more than anything. What do you mean you feel comfortable throwing the ball more than in 2016? And people was like, "Yeah," because they just run with anything the man says. Uh, Were Were you made aware of that comment? Did you hear that bullshit ass? Did you hear that lie? Yeah.
1: Some Some people. Some people. I didn't see a live. I mean, like I said, Mm. I'm hardly on Twitter nowadays after the incident, because it's a lot of people on Twitter. They look for like you post something, they look to hate on you, or you do something, and they wouldn't. And they wouldn't dare say this to your face. Most of these people are. You know, something inside of them still, like they frustrated about their life. You know, frustrated about right. what's going on. So they they get on Twitter to hate. They get on Twitter to, you know, try to dehumanize you. But they would never mm-hmm. ever have the confidence to say this to your face. So I'm hardly on Twitter, but when I do, and I saw it, I, I just laughed. I said, "Here you go, downplaying me again." Like he is. Mm-hmm. I
0: heard.
1: I, I felt. I felt like I just hurt him so bad, and I don't know what I've done. I truly don't. I think I just hurt him so bad by leaving so early when he thought I wasn't, even though I told him I was, that
0: Mm
1: -hmm. it left a just distasteful mouth. Like in his mouth, it's just, it's a bad taste. It's a bad, it's bitter in his mouth. So anything that's brought up 2016, if you look at it, he gives everybody else credit and he never says my name. He never even mentions me. When people's going to the drought, Mm. you, you see, you see posts about everybody else. You don't see nothing about me. You don't see nothing that I've accomplished with him as my guy coming in. I mean, think about it. I seen it as I'm your guy. You're my you're my head coach. You brought me in with you, so it's me and you versus the world. You know, if things go bad, it's me and you. I don't think he saw it that way. Uh, to mm. be, to be honest, I don't know why you would not see it that way when you brought you brought me in. Nobody knows this. I mean, he was recruiting me in Memphis when he was at Memphis. He picked mm. Pastor Lynch over. He picked Peston Lynch over me. And on, our, on my official visit there, he gave me a preferred walk-on. He didn't even give me a scholarship. Mm. He was setting all the records in, at Virginia Tech. Uh, I mean, uh, excuse my language, uh, Trinity Valley, uh, me like, doing what I did and becoming the number one door threat in the nation. Uh, he started hitting my phone up a lot more. I told my offense coordinator at the time, which I told you is Clay Patterson at Min- mm. Minnesota, the tight end coach. And I told him, I said, man, this dude didn't even give me – like he didn't even try to give me a chance at uh Memphis. And, and here he comes back, and then my coach said, don't have that mindset. Be open-minded. Give him a chance. And I said, okay, I will. And then ever since then, I did – on my official visit, uh, nobody knows this except me and my dad, uh, but on my official visit, you know, we was going over film of him and Pax Lynch in a Memphis offense. And when I say mm-hmm. that offense is totally different than the one we ran at Virginia Tech, it's mind blowing. Oh, it is. Like, they was, yeah, it's, they was going down the field. They had a lot of crossing routes. I mean, you know, uh, it was just, it was like kind of crazy that we went from showing that to me to doing what we did, you know? Like, right. it was a lot of deeper passes. I'm saying, oh, that's good for the, the weapons we got, you know, Isaiah, uh, Cam, you know, Bucky. And then it went to me looking at one person and running the ball. But after that, you know, after that meeting, you know, getting ready to go back home, he said, uh, don't talk to no other teams now, Gerard, we married. I said, Coach, you got my word, you know, I'm coming here. I, like, I told you, you got my word and I'm coming here. So it's not going to be nobody else. I kid you not, the day I come back home, Texas a and hit my, like a booster from Texas a and hit my father up. Cause, mm. You know, because Murray and Allen, you know, they left.
0: Right, right. You
1: know, so they they was in dire need of a quarterback, and I'm just coming out of you know junior college, been a number one dual threat. So that's a lot of teams wanted me, and they said again. This probably be wrong, but it was, I, it was going to be like name your price type of thing. Mm.
0: Okay. Big bags. Shout out to Texas a and big,
1: big bag. And I said, you know that, you know, I already gave Coach Quinsey my word. And I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm coming here, and so that would hurt even hurts the most that you know those things happen, and I gave him my word like that, and so I just I, when I say I just don't understand where all this is coming from. It's hurt, right, I, I don't just, understand I,
0: where it's coming from either because if you pass up a Texas A&M, get Texas A&M, the same school that gave Eric Dickerson a, a gold Trans Am back in the '80s or the '70s or something. These people, these yeah. no white people over there got money, oh, and oh, you passed oh, up too. a, you passed up a big bag, and and then and then Fuente treat you the way he treating you to this day. I can see why you got an issue, not 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 beef or nothing like that, but
1: yeah, yeah. just would just you would a, yeah, you want a
0: conversation? Would you want a conversation?
1: I, would, I I definitely would love that. I mean, I I mean we talked. I mean, but it's never been on why like. I can't make somebody talk about certain things. It got to come from them, you know? But yeah, I would right. definitely love to just understand, like, what did I do so awful to really hurt you, you know, or make you right. feel this type of way about me, you know? Cause I was, to me, I was never disrespectful of anything. I was more, more passionate, fiery, cause I just want to win. So I just, yeah, I would love to know what I've done to really make him feel some type of way. Cause I can't, def- I mean, I gave a man my word and that's
0: yeah, my dad always and and delivered and I-
1: on my- that. And yeah, my dad has always been, you know, I've been taught that way. Never disrespect leadership in front of nobody. Talk to them like a man, like a young man to a man. And mm. your word is all you got. So stay on that, you know, and never try to, and never try to waver from that. So yeah, I might say things that might been brash. Yeah, I might- but it was my word and I'd rather be upfront. So you don't stick so far behind and I'd rather be upfront. So, you know, my intentions. You know, I I've never been one to that's why you hear Eric Kumi say, yeah, he said that before he even was the starter. I mean, that's just man. how I feel. That's how that's my belief. So all this transpired kind of hurt me, you know. Especially no, I believe. Yeah, when you brought me in. Yeah, man. What
0: was what's, what's one thing about Fuente that you do like? What's one positive thing about Fuente?
1: Uh just his overall ability to bring people, like, he likes to bring people along. It's just how he goes about his day-to-day detail-oriented. Like, I understand you got to do certain things in order to get your team on board, you know. Being hard on me, that's cool, but disrespecting me is another thing, you know, but he's always been hard on me personally, so the other things for everybody else, I can't speak on, but he's just been hard coaching me, and not just okay with me. So it's just his overall leadership far as um, trying to bring a whole entity together. So, you know, that's what I've learned to grow, to understand and appreciate about him. But just, but I feel like it's a lot of things that he goes about doing it. It doesn't set well in leadership roles, though. So, All right. I feel like it, you know, as a leader, you know, you got to let allow people to be them in order to grow them. And they can't be right. Push, push, push. Sometimes you gotta allow mistakes to happen. You got, but again, that's just from my perspective and me being around the leaders myself, you know, and how they go about their day-to-day operations.
0: Right. Because there's been a obviously shit's come to a head. The team is the team has been struggling over the last couple of years. And um the 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 people who speak for, for Fuente, because he doesn't really speak publicly a lot unless he's forced to. Run, they've run. they run out of athletes to blame. They blamed you. They blamed uh, that Sports Illustrated article, blamed all these transfers. They of people to blame and now all the finger pointing is, is over with. So like you said, eventually you gotta look at the man in the mirror and say, okay, maybe I need to change some things, lighten up, loosen up, do some things. I keep hearing every, every, uh, interview we've had, they talk about the passive aggressiveness or the, the, the sneak shots, uh, that happens. Have you ever seen Fonte be passive aggressive, you know, sneak this and things like that?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, that's again, it's a, yes, I have. I mean, that's, that's what he does to prove who he is. I mean, um, Again, if you got the name, an offensive guru or a quarterback whisperer, mm-hmm. but now, you know, I've been going, what, four or five years and you still can't even mention my name, but you're saying right. this is the best passing season. It's something not adding up. I mean, that's why I haven't talked because the truth will always come out. I mean, you don't – when you know the truth, sometimes it's okay to allow time to prove this And that's why I haven't been talking I would have said stuff out of anger and frustration, and then people would have been able to point the finger at me and say, Oh, you know, he's just mad that he's not in the NFL or he, you know, he left early. So then their narrative would have been that much more uh I guess correct, but it still would have been wrong. It was just me trying to show instead of allowing time to do what time does.
0: And, right.
1: And that's and that's why I feel like this is the best time just to air my truth out so this narrative could be because. After I seen that, really, that would really make me frustrated I, like coach, this really your best, right. this your best <clears> passing <throat> team. And then you had me, Isaiah, Bucky, Cam, and we had a slew of running backs. And we had the right. best guard in the who's in NFL now. Come on, why like,
0: I tell Shout out
1: Teller Love why that's my when I, that's my guy. But uh we talk, we talk a lot or we've been talking a lot, but yeah, that's my guy. Like <laughs> cool, cool, took me to his. Man, that, we get into that, but he's he's a great guy. But yeah, it's just these these things that coach um, is saying, it's like almost still slighting me. Like, okay, he yeah. was good, but not not better than this guy. I'm like, coach, yeah. look what I've done for you. I mean, no, again, it's it's not. I'm not bashing him. You can look at it when after the ACC championship, he got a five million dollar bonus raise. Mm. I mean, I mean, <laughs> Big Bay. Big bag, you know. Come on, like coach. At least you don't have to say, you know, I was your favorite or anything. But at least stop, you know, taking shots as if I didn't do what I did for you. I mean, because you run the same offense, and you right. haven't done nothing since then. So you got to give credit somewhere. You know,
0: and eventually you got to. Eventually you got to say, okay, I, I can't just make any old body. Uh, it, the any offense was clearly typically... different back then
1: exactly you know he's <laughs> had
0: he four star quarterbacks in the same offense so it ain't about I'm, oh well we ain't said been able to land
1: exactly i'm gonna say it again you, you gotta give credit to where credit, do sometimes.
0: You gotta and Tom credit keep tell- due. sometimes
1: time will keep telling you you know you got these guys and no and no and no offense to them because they, they talented themselves at the same right. time i mean i'm just i'm one of one you know that's that's what it is. It's the, it's the intangibles. And so you can't give credit to that. I mean, same on you. Again, I, I've apologized to him in private uh, about a year or two ago about, you know, whatever I may cause to make him feel some type of way, but all right. this slight my name still, and, you know, not even. It's nasty. Yeah, it just can't, you can't even utter my name. It's and it's been four yeah. or five years, and That's I think it's
0: a, I think it's it's not even just him uttering your name, which is crazy within itself, but even the Virginia Tech official football account, they don't post your highlights. They'll post they'll post old games, old pictures, happy birthday to such and such. I I don't not that I know of. I haven't seen happy birthday Gerard Evans. Maybe it, it has, and I just missed it, or you know, no, flashback they, they... Friday to Gerard Evans mm-hmm. play against Clemson or whatever.
1: No, they won't do that. uh, Because again, at the end of the day, it's all this is being said, but it's still against it's with me and for uh, Coach Fuente in a sense. Not that it's a feud or it's a because I don't have nothing personally against him. I don't. Right. A matter of fact, I'm in a I'm so much in a mental spot better now than I was two three years ago. That this don't this don't affect me. It's just I'm just tired of the narrative of now. Like yeah,
0: you got to you got to find
1: yeah, you got yeah, to find something else to talk about. At least give my credit and then move on. You don't have to mention yeah, it man, one his time, credit. But so but
0: so when you was in the draft, so when you was in the draft, a lot of times a coach, a head coach, will go out and sell their draft prospects. I remember Dabo Sweeney saying, "If you don't draft Deshaun Watson, you're passing <laughs> on Michael Jordan." Man, it's, like this is what that, coaches like, do. Was,
1: Man, Dabo is no, but a guy. He's a man. Uh, I, I'll get back to your point, but during that warm-up, while we were warming up, we were throwing a post route, and Dabo was re- getting ready to talk to me. But mm-hmm. in my mindset at the time, you know, I, I ain't liking none of y'all right now, so don't talk to me. Right. Look at me. So Dabo coming over there, and I I see him coming over there, so I, I take a snap, and I throw, like, a 40-yard rope just to show him, like, yeah, I got the same amount of talent as the son as Warren, mm-hmm. or as Orange talent. He come over there and he said, man, you're a hell of a talent, man. I just
0: – I don't know
1: what we're going to do. I hope you don't do nothing great today. I hope we can contain you because, <laughs> you know, we've been trying to game plan against you all time – the whole time. And, man, we really going to have our hands full with you. Just be safe uh, and good luck this game. I said, man, what? Like, I was – I was right. thrown back. I was – I was – I I didn't expect that at all so I can see why his players play for him the way they do I mean if you look how they got off the bus they was loose they was jumping we got off the bus military like like we was mm. like just look at the just look at the vibes you know look at they come out loose jumping around we came out strict boom military line type of thing like no talking no right. you know that's that weighs on your players when you don't allow them to, you know,
0: man, be themselves. it's a, it's
1: a big, yeah, be themselves. It's a game, man. We, Hey, let's get, Hey, let's get what we need to get to mentally for this big game or this, uh, big atmosphere, you know, and, uh, big atmosphere. do
0: you think that played into y'all? You said y'all was kind of tight early, kind of conservative early. Do you think that played into it?
1: Usually, I mean, the way your leader goes by day-to-day operations, Affects his, uh, his who he's following or who's following him, you know. If right. the leader is, you know, always uh, pretty much strict, 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 strict. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Eventually, that rubs off. Even though we some dogs and we some ball players, it rubs off on our offense, you know. It rubs off on players right. that you constantly uh, get on for the smallest things, and you know, people. We humans, we make mistakes, you know. We get, mm-hmm. it's it's an emotional game we get hype you know i mean i understand like fighting or whatever i mean get on us but you know doing a first down signal and you and you <laughs> critiquing it in the film room i uh, just to me that's petty that's be that's beneath you as a head coach petty petty I mean, yeah that dabble, dabble you know just him talking to me i could see why they so loose and the shun play so freely and you know, do stuff because you let you letting a, a ball player, an athletic ball player, be a ball player. You know, you're not restricting him. So, um, I just feel like that played a part in that.
0: Def- that definitely, that definitely plays its part. The whole, the the silent lunches and things. You gotta, you gotta let guys them. be themselves. You gotta let guys be themselves, especially on game day. I mean, so so. You was playing for the Green Bay Packers. You was on the practice squad. What's Aaron Rodgers like in real life? Because I know that had to be surreal at times. Like, bro, that's Aaron Rodgers. Like, I I know you a player, but I know you you study the game. You are, you a student of the game too. Standing next to Aaron Rodgers, what's that like? Was that surreal at times?
1: Um, yeah. At first, when I met him, I mean, he's my favorite quarterback of all time. So that's the mm-hmm. guy. So me having actually get to you know, being in that same room, learning, dissecting his brain in the meeting room, and then actually um, being on the field with him. And then him taking me under his wing and teaching me just football things and how to pick up a defense or stuff. It was was definitely surreal and a moment that I'll never forget because, you know, who gets the chance to actually be around their favorite quarterback, you know, of all time, and then learn from him. Um, So it was definitely a great experience um, to actually learn from who he just. Uh, most of the time he wouldn't talk to me, except like on that game day, I believe it was a Thursday night game. He talked to me a lot. He, oh, game days in general, he talked to me a lot, but like most mm-hmm. of the time it was just by his actions. I mean, he even right. let me come, you know, we had an October uh, festival thing that he let me go to uh, with the whole team, of course. And then he invited uh, all the offensive players to his crib on Thanksgiving. So that was a mm. great experience. You know, just cool guy, man. You know, welcoming, very quiet. I mean, you get a bad rep for his it. nutshlockness, yeah. but but I mean, taking me in and you know, helping me out along the way. He didn't have yeah. to do it, so it was yeah. They, great yeah, experience. Aaron
0: Rodgers gets uh, he gets portrayed like, oh, he doesn't. He's selfish. He don't really care about his teammates. Um, or whatever like that. But you sitting here saying, no, oh, he was a cool dude. You've you been to his house. Uh, he, he, you know, he a quarterback. You know how a quarterback, well, you know better than me. But quarterback is a one-man show. You know, there is no two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. So yeah. I think he played with Brett Favre. And Brett Favre was like, ain't my job to teach him nothing. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. shout out to Aaron Rodgers, a legend, who's playing right now as we speak Sunday Night Football. Um, yes, sir What's next for Gerard Evans? Uh, What's what's next for Gerard Evans? What you got going on right now?
1: Man, right now I'm in Japan. Um, I'm playing ball still, of course. I'm trying to get back into the NFL, of course. I mean, Mm -hmm. my agent, agent, nobody knows this, but my agent is uh, Tyrod and me have the same agent. He actually put me on with our, our agent. And so... It's, you know, football is a very scrupulous business, you know, out of sight, out of mind. What have you done for me lately? So the right. two, three years that I was actually trying to get filmed, something always mysteriously happened where I couldn't start when I was about to start. For instance, my first year out of Green Bay, I was about to uh, play they brought Bronco veteran in, so I didn't play that year. And they, and they didn't want to trade me either. So the next year, a couple of teams wanted me, and I went to the team that was going to, Uh, Take me and my brother, my wide receiver. He's a wide receiver. Me and him to go to the same team. They brought me in. And right before the season started, I was about to start. But then they traded me back to the team that had the quarterback. So I didn't play again. And then the next year, COVID happened. Um, Mm -hmm. So the team I was about to go to um, didn't have a season. And so I was out for a year. And then this opportunity come up. Uh, They've been wanting me for a while. This team that I'm on now out here wanted me for a while. And it's a good experience because I get to be like an offensive coordinator, be more involved and play ball and actually start. Mm. So, so I'm, I'm doing like a lot of things over here. Uh, and then also getting to experience the culture, you know, get to experience hey. uh, what is what life is outside of America. So it's opening my eyes to a lot of more things than just football and a lot of different avenues. But definitely, my goal is to definitely get back because I got a lot of stuff. Not to prove to nobody else, but to me, because nobody knows this. But I was actually about to play and travel uh, in Green Bay uh, when Aaron Rod- when Aaron Rodgers was hurt. My agent hit right. me up and said, "You know, uh, they about to start traveling in two three weeks." So they had cut the third string quarterback and kept me on the roster. Aaron Rodgers get hurt. I believe it's Carolina game. He gets he gets re injured from his shoulder. Right. And so, and so he, he, they play some on IR and he doesn't play. So they bring the quarterback that they cut and put him back on the roster and cut me. Oh, they don't put uh, AR on the IR because he was already on the IR. So they can't keep, they don't keep three, uh, four quarterbacks. So they cut because they need, you know, they got to fill positions for the 53 man roster. So then they cut the, they cut me and put, brought the third string quarterback back because he knew the playbook and I didn't because I came in the middle of the season or well, I didn't know it better right. than him because he's there for right. a year or two. And I was only there for eight eight weeks. Like I came in the middle of the season and ended at the end of the season. So that was kind of a crazy experience. So it's a bitter taste in my mouth knowing that I ter- I break my foot with Philly. Uh, then I go rehab. I get it back right. I'm about to travel. And then, right. then this kind of happens. So it's still like, man, I know I got it. I know I got it. What it takes. I just wait for that true opportunity for it to present itself. And sometimes it takes time, sometimes it, it takes for me to learn as a as a young man certain things, just how to operate, how to talk, how to speak, you know, those Ryan things. Definitely. But it's kind of crazy because I, I believe I was gonna be a third or fourth round going into the draft when I went to the NFL combine. Mm-hmm. But a couple, but before the before the draft, um, or yeah, before the draft started. Uh, a couple coaches, I'm not going to say teams, but like two or three teams hit me up and asked me my relationship with my coach. But they mm-hmm. never asked me that. They never asked me that during the uh, NFL drought. So I was kind of, you know, it's kind of crazy to me because I had private meetings like with New York Giants. I had private meetings with the Cardinals. Uh, what else? It was like two or three more teams that I had private meetings with, like just going to X and Zos. And then after that NFL uh, NFL draft compound experience, you know, the draft coming up, well, two, three, two, three days before that, I'm going to church I'm about going to go church and a couple of teams hit me up, like, what's your relationship with your coach? I'm like, it's good. I don't have a like, it's no issue. Mm-hmm. I was like, and then that's when that third, fourth round went to undrafted.
0: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, it was wild. Because I was getting, like, I was getting, like, notifications, like, from my, like, hey, they think you're a top, like, mid, because you came out early. They said, right. hey, if you would have stayed, you would have been a top five pick. But since you came out early and they don't know too much about you, they still believe you're going to be a third, fourth round pick, so get ready. I'm like, okay, bad. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right. like, i take that, you know, just to fulfill my dreams, like, in a sense of actually get, you know, whoop, whoop. So, Two three again, two three days before draft they asked me that. I was like, "Oh man, what's going on? Like, why they going? Yeah. Like, why they just all of a sudden ask that? They didn't ask that NFL draft." So that was just a crazy. Right. So, turn
0: so of you, NFL. so you think, and all these coaches are friends, and coaches, coaches talk, and you think that the coaching staff, the current, the current coaching staff, might have said something negative about you and y'all's relationship before your draft.
1: And I that's what I'm I, I still want to know. I'm about to be the third, fourth round, it's uh,
0: undrafted. Oh, because a couple coach asked me with my relationship. Uh
1: I don't know. I, would like I think to know, I uh, think
0: that I think that's the case because I mean, like I, I, we was talking about this earlier. Dabo Sweeney says if you pass on Deshaun Watson, you pass on Michael Jordan. Coaches sell that when, when their quarterback goes pro, even if they go early the coach goes out and they're their number one fan. Oh, you, you got to take him. This is a great kid. He works hard, this and that. If, if your coach isn't saying nothing, fuck if he's saying something bad. If he ain't saying nothing, that's not helping you either. Because he's supposed that's to be, true. Fuente is supposed to be at, almost like your agent. He's the first one in, last one out. Never had no incidents. Never had no issues. Great kid. I mean, All worker. Go ahead.
1: I would th- yeah, I would think that, like what you're saying, I would think it would be just like that because you bring so much more recruits to your organization now or your program. And then right. it, brings more, it brings more spotlight on you as an individual. So, again, I couldn't tell you how how and why that happened. <laughs> I just know it did happen. <laughs> and it was yeah, kind it of did. wild for <laughs> me.
0: Yeah, man. Um. But, yeah, that's kind
1: of where I'm at now with this Japan stuff, you know, trying to get film, get get mm-hmm. operating, you know, because, again, my agent is very um, – he's well been tuned into the NFL. Um, like I said, he has Tyrod. He has Stefan Diggs. He has Le'Veon Bell. He has uh, Yannick. Yeah, I mean, he has Telvin Smith. He has a lot of ball players, ballplayers. It's a list. I mean, it's 40, 50 – I'm talking about – known players deep you know that mm-hmm. you well that you know well so he's well in tune well connected just again the opportunity to, for it to present itself for me to get filmed and get back so hopefully you know this time i'm here in japan that they can do just that
0: yeah you do you're definitely doing your thing you in japan um that that's good and you a young you a young dude you not you not no old head out here holding on you a young dude you still in the <laughs> yeah. prime of your career you exactly. the thing yeah. with the but the expanded uh rosters and the nfl was doing more to have bigger rosters and bigger practice squads you should definitely be you should definitely be getting phone calls soon especially as this nfl season there in week three i mean unfortunately injuries do happen i mean you don't wish people to get injured but they happen and when, when you get your call, just, you, I mean, I don't even got to tell you to be ready. You already know.
1: Yeah. So. Oh, I'm. Yeah. You, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So I'm definitely just praying right. for opportunity, whether it's, even if it's not this year, you know, next year, I mean, I see the longevity of quarterbacks standing in the league by the rule changes being 35, 40 years old. I'm only, I just right. you know, just 10, 27. You got quarterbacks in the league in their nine, in their proms, 20, 27, 28, Dak Prescott. So I, I definitely believe I got time, and it's, again, it's not it's proved nothing to nobody else, but to me that I I belong, you know, that I got, have the opportunity. I still got stuff outside of football, too. It's just, I like, you know, that's what I love to do.
0: Right. And you and you good at it. And yeah. Yeah, you know,
1: I, I would like to think so.
0: <laughs> no, you, you're good, and you good at it, and I see some of these, I see some, I'm not even going to talk about the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, but some a lot of times when the starting quarterback goes down, the whole team's like fuck, because <laughs> they know yeah. the backup. Some sh- I'm, I'm I'm saying this is uh, you know if any NFL people talking, this is me talking. This is Don V Fridays. You. This ain't Gerard Evans. This is me saying this. Thank you. A Thank lot you. of backup Thank quarterbacks you. are not good. They are placeholders. they they're coffee getters. They're not really there for their talent. This is a talented quarterback that. Was kind of fucked by the politics of the game, and deserves it. And deserves a fair chance. You 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 are healthy, correct? I am right now. Man's healthy, knowledgeable, and ready and ready to work. So, when unfortunately it's a seventeen game season in the NFL, you need a quarterback in a quick pinch that's going to come in and help your team in any way capacity call Gerard Evans. Uh, Give that man a call. Um, Before we let you get out of here, because you didn't answer the uh, receiver's question, maybe you'll answer this one. (laughs) Start, bench, cut. And you ain't in it. This ain't got nothing to do with you. This is Virginia Tech quarterback edition. Michael Vick, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Vick. Start, bench, cut.
1: You can't do that to me. You can't do that to me. <laughs> I mean, Tyrod is my – when I say he – I mean, we do retreats together with our agents on, you know, every year. So, Tyrod, like, we cool. And he, he showed me – he wanted to put me on with my agent, and we chopped it up And so I said, you can't do that to me. And then Michael Vick obviously came to the Tennessee game, and then he chopped it up with me during uh, the season. So, you can't really, you know, put me in that position. You can't do that to me. I'll say both of them start. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they, uh, and, Mar- yeah, and Marcus Vick
0: get benched. Shout out Marcus ben. Vick, a legend.
1: Yeah.
0: Shout out yeah. Mark. Yeah. Shout out Marcus Vick, MV5, a legend. <laughs> I compare. A lot of people compare your career to Marcus Vic's, where like we saw, we saw the potential, and maybe with one because because I don't, I don't know if you followed the 2005 Virginia Tech team. Probably not. You from Texas? I mean, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but. Marcus Vick and them had a good team. It was it was kind of a similar season where they went to the ACC championship game versus Florida State, came up short. So we're us as Hokie fans are like, okay, 2006 Hokies going to be crazy. We get Marcus Vick back, we are getting this defense back. But Marcus Vick uh, went to the NFL. Yeah, had some off the field shit too. And um, it 2006 will always be a what if. Same thing with 2017. The what if, you know, y'all left this program for different reasons, though, you know, but shout out Marcus yeah. A legend Yeah, I can't do that. No. Yeah,
1: I just definitely can't do that one. That's,
0: yeah, them, them, they, they cool people. Yeah, definitely cool people. Start and get and a lot of people in trouble.
1: Yeah, and on, and on top of that, they both athletic and nice to me. I mean, both of them got their game. Yeah, so I couldn't do that right. to them.
0: All right, 757 boys. Shout out, shout out to all my people out like 757. 757 boys. But that's it for Don V Fridays. I want to thank Gerard Evans, a legend. Let's get that straight. A legend a Lane Stadium. They need to invite you back to Lane Stadium. They need to at the they need to honor you, put some put, give you your flowers while you're here. If they're not gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. You are a <laughs> legend, you. sir. You you deserve that's you so deserve nothing but praise. Uh, hopefully, these goofy-ass Hokie fans that uh, that talk about Michael Brewer, shout out to him. But if you think Michael Brewer is better, you're crazy. You have an agenda. Um, but that's it, man. Any last thing you want to say to the people before we sign off?
1: Yeah, and I truly you know, appreciate everything that y'all have done for me and how y'all brought, like I said, a young Texas kid in, and y'all opened me with open arms and welcomed me and treated me like y'all own. that would never be forgotten and I definitely appreciate you again to allow me to air out my uh, my side of this story and allow me to Mm -hmm. be free and 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 without no uh no agenda just to let me be laid back and just talk so I appreciate you letting me come on this podcast
0: oh no 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 problem man uh we we are the voice we are the voice of the people um and it's very important that The coaches control the narrative. the the universities, they control the narrative, they got the media, they got the, you know, they got the, they control the narrative and a lot of times that side comes out and that's the truth. And it's a lot of athletes that get, you know, fucked over, left behind, career got railroaded. And, you know, they just, you know, left out here with no, with no outlet. I'm happy that a lot of athletes are starting their own podcasts and starting their own platforms and are able to tell their own stories because for years, the coaches owned the narrative and they got to, they use their leverage to control people's careers. And so we have a whole nother podcast. We start going in and all that that shit and all of of that. But um, uh, we want to thank y'all for listening until next time. God bless.